We all want to be accepted. We all want to fit in. And so we often change our behavior, sometimes even modify our values so we can be a member of that desired group. WikiHow, which is a, a site that teaches people how to do all sorts of things, sort of like Wikipedia, but a how to do it, describes 12 steps to fit in at school. Steps that could really apply to any situation. Let me share just the first four. Step one, identify the group you want to fit in with. Most likely this will be the popular in-crowd, but think of specific words that describe this group. They will help you better visualize and organize the things you will need to do to fit in. Step two, be mindful of the social norms at your school. Your desired group is likely appealing because they have strayed from certain behaviors and interests. Step three, observe your group to find out what they value most. Look for favorite band t-shirts, instruments, or sports equipment they carry. Eavesdrop a little and find out what topics they discuss most. Step four, do things which show that you have similar values. If your group loves reading Harry Potter, bring a Harry Potter book to school and read it. If they like wearing specific colors or styles, try wearing those colors, styles, or labels as well. Imitation is important when it comes to being likable. We all want to be accepted. We all want to fit in. That's why there's a 12-step program right on WikiHow. Over the past year, and I can say this is true for my own life, I found myself more and more interested in buying a rifle. Now, it's not because I go hunting or because I'm all that interested in target shooting. It's because I'm in the military, and there there's a big gun culture. Having a gun would give me something to talk about with my friends at the regiment. Everyone wants to fit in. But at some point, everyone will need to ask themselves how much they're willing to modify, shift their identity, or change those values to belong. This is especially important for those who follow Jesus. You see, Jesus takes his followers, each of us, down a nonconformist path and puts us, sometimes, on the outs with those with whom we'd rather be in. Today's Bible lesson brings us to the halfway, actually past the halfway mark in the book of Acts. In the first chapter of Acts, Jesus promises disciples, his disciples, that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and right to the ends of the earth. After Pentecost, the gospel starts spreading in these various directions. But while it is welcomed in many parts, it also faces resistance. Last week, I talked about Peter's healing of a lame man at that temple gate called Beautiful. The healing leads to an opportunity for Peter to address the astounded crowds. But the preaching also gets Peter and John arrested. 
Today, as we fast forward through a number of chapters, we encounter Paul and Silas on Paul's second missionary journey. In Philippi, they successfully plant a new church. Yay! But they also get beaten with rods and thrown into jail. Fresh out of this experience, they move on to Thessalonica, where we encounter them in today's reading. As was his custom, Paul starts talking about Jesus in the local synagogue. He argues from Scripture that a suffering Savior was foretold. He contends that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that they've been looking for. Now, Paul, despite his preaching, his arguing, doesn't have a lot of success among those Jews. But we are told that a large number of God-fearing Greeks were persuaded, as well as a number of prominent women. So, sounds like a success after all. But some people didn't appreciate Paul's preaching or Paul's proselytism. A crowd was stirred up. A crowd began to riot. A crowd began searching for Paul and Silas. When they couldn't find Paul and Silas, they settled on some local converts. They broke into these people's homes and dragged these Christians before the authorities. They claimed that these converts, these Christians, were causing an uproar in the city. Now, if you read the story, you can see that these are trumped-up charges. These new Christians are not intent on overthrowing the local council, and they're certainly not starting an armed insurrection. And yet there is something accurate. There's something that's dead-on about these accusations of sedition. These Christians are following another king. And you're thinking, really? I thought Christians were model citizens. I mean, some of you have taken an oath to become a citizen of Canada. You have promised to be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, Queen of Canada, her heirs and successors. I mean, I took a similar oath when I joined the military. And yet, here at church each week, we make another pledge of allegiance. Together we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Each week we confess our devotion to God's kingdom. We proclaim Jesus as Lord. And in many ways, this puts us out of sync with our society. Now, for those of you who are watching who have been with us for a while, this wasn't always the case. For many years, being a Christian and being Canadian were practically synonymous. Just after World War II, 67% of Canadians, that's Two-thirds of Canadians had attended a religious service in the previous seven days. But by 2013, the number had dropped to a mere 13%.
what this means, and I could describe it in different ways, is that those who follow Jesus are becoming increasingly out of sync in their society. The same people who desperately want to find themselves accepted will increasingly be rejected. But being rejected was true of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was true of the early Christians, and it continues to be true of many Christians in the rest of the world. As I was preparing for the sermon, I found a newspaper article from the British paper, The Guardian. The article noted an increasing persecution of Christians in China. Now, as a side note, I just checked the Globe and Mail to see if they had covered the same issue. Nope. They had covered the persecution of Muslims in China, but not a peep about the Christians. Well, listen to this story from The Guardian as it was printed in January 2019. In late October, Wang Yi, the pastor of one of China's best-known underground churches, asked his congregation, if tomorrow morning the early rain covenant church suddenly disappeared from the city of Chengdu, would the city be any different? Would anyone miss us? Well, almost three months later, Wang's hypothetical scenario is being put to the test. The church in southwest China has been shuttered, and Wang and his wife remain in detention after police arrested more than 100 early reign church members in December. Many of those who haven't been detained are in hiding. Others have been sent away from Chengdu and are barred from returning. Some, including Wang's mother and his young son, are under close surveillance. Wang and his wife? Well, they're being charged for inciting subversion. Sound familiar? They're being charged for inciting subversion, a crime that carries a penalty of up to 15 years in prison. Early Rain Church is the latest victim in what Chinese Christians and rights activists say is the worst crackdown on religion since the country's cultural revolution. When Mao Zedong and his government vowed to eradicate religion. Pastors such as Wang of early reign are especially alarming for the authorities. Under Wang, a legal scholar and public intellectual, the church has advocated for parents of children killed in the 2008 Sichuan earthquake, deaths that many critics say were caused by poor government-run construction, or for families of those affected by faulty vaccines. And every year, the church commemorates the victims of the 4th of June protests in 1989, Tiananmen, which were forcibly put down by the Chinese military. Wang and early reign belong to what some see as a new generation of Christians that has emerged alongside a growing civil rights movement. Several of China's most active human rights lawyers are Christians. Chinese leadership has come to see the political potential of Christianity as a force for change. What makes the government nervous is Christianity's claims to universal rights and values. It seems that there are people in China just as suspicious of Christians as those people long ago in Thessalonica. It seems that Proclaiming Jesus is Lord is considered by many in our own time 
to be a political statement. It seems that Jesus' followers all around the world are deemed to have values that clash with the societies they live in. Of course, we don't share all of those fears. We live in a liberal democracy. Our government recognizes that Christian value of the dignity of all peoples and tends, tends to uphold the freedom of minorities. We might reasonably expect that if people won't like us, they will at least tolerate us. But that brings us all the way back to the assertion I made at the very beginning. We all want to be accepted. We all want to fit in. I mean, you've been enjoying some of these devotionals that have been posted on our Facebook page. And I'm grateful for those who've shared a bit of their inner life with the church community. I've asked each one of them to consider posting what they made on their own, on their own Facebook page, sharing it with their friends. And many have, but with a great degree of apprehension. They're not all sure how others will react. Truth is, it's not cool to be a Christian in this time and place in Canada. You might not get beaten with rods or thrown in jail, but you might be ignored, snubbed, demeaned. What you should know, though, is that even though in post-Christendom Canada you won't be likely elected as a city councillor or invited to be the secretary of your school pack, is that you are chosen and beloved by God. That's right. Even though society may reject what you hold dearly, you are chosen and beloved by God, which would seem to matter a lot more. Listen, listen to the words Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica maybe a few weeks after all this chaos erupted in the city. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Do you really want to be accepted? Do you want to fit in? Well, know that you too are loved by God. You are chosen. Loved and chosen. May this fill your hearts with courage and joy. Thanks be to God. Amen.